This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. This is a Business Radio special presentation from the floor of the Wharton People Analytics Conference in Philadelphia, bringing together prominent data scientists, human resources managers, and members of academia to explore the use of data technology to enhance the work environment and create smarter managers and leaders. Here's your host, Professor Cade Massey. Welcome to the Wharton People Analytics Conference. It's the second year we're broadcasting here at the conference to bring you some of the top minds and ideas on how data can improve your organization and develop smarter leaders and better businesses. I'm Cade Massey, one of the hosts of Wharton Moneyball and Wharton Practice Professor of Operations, Information, and Decisions. I'm excited to be here on the conference floor in Center City, Philadelphia, to bring you this exclusive look at the third annual People Analytics Conference. I suspect we'll have some crowds raising the noise, the background noise, but we're going to interview power through it all the same. We're excited to have as our first guest, the first of four guests we'll have over the next hour, Noah Zandon. Noah is CEO and co-founder of Quantified Communications. Noah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Glad to have you, and we were glad to have you involved with the conference. You just gave your presentation this morning, is that right? I did, yeah. But you're an accomplished presenter, right? You've got a TED Talk out there. Well, when you run a communications company... (laughs) You were unfortunately held to a standard of communications right. that doesn't really make it fair. I did, I did have that thought, and I want to talk details about your presentation here shortly. But first, let's understand what quantified communications is and how you got going in that direction. Sure. So the idea behind it is communications has always been considered an art. You know, how people talk to each other, how executives communicate, how we relate to other people, how we connect to the world around us has always kind of been this art. Uh, academics have been studying it for years. Uh, which is really exciting. And what we are trying to do at Quantified Communications is bring some of that research and apply it to a more business environment. Uh, So we work with corporations and organizations to really help their leadership, help the people moving the message of the business, uh, deliver that message and do it in a way where they're using objective data to know whether or not it works. And where did you come from on this? I can imagine you're coming from a a data perspective or maybe from a language and communication perspective. What is your background? Yeah, I was actually, I studied economics in college. Ah, data there. Econometrics. I showed up on Wall Street, you know, bright-eyed and uh, realized pretty quickly as I got further and further into Wall Street that we were modeling everything, obviously looking at risk and Mm -hmm. trying to make billion-dollar decisions off of data, Mm -hmm. but there was a missing factor from our model. And that was the people. Okay. So the way that the executives communicate, the way they told the story, the way how confident they were, that was really one of the critical success factors hmm. on Wall Street. Hmm. But there was no data behind it. And hmm. I'm an econ, econ guy. I'm like, this isn't rational. Mm-hmm. So uh, I started looking at research on it, found some amazing research, folks like Jamie Pennebaker at the University mm-hmm. of Texas, people that have been measuring this stuff for years. But nobody in the business environment knew that this existed. Mm-hmm. And so from there, started... Um, co-founder as a PhD in evaluation research and started finding all of this great stuff and then built a, a big database and a big platform to measure it. So you just talked with us at the conference a little bit about this database that you built and yeah. it sounds like an impressive effort. You guys went out and collected what again? I mean speeches and video and transcripts from decades. Yeah, I mean, you know, all the big presidential speeches, all the TED Talks, uh, media interviews, you name it, we've tried, to, we've tried to go find it. And then what did you do with those data? Say you had somehow distilled all that into digital something that you can process. What are you doing with it? 
Well, first, yes, you have to be able to process it. So you've got to tag it, you've got to organize it, you've got to make sure that it's it's useful. Um, you know, the New York Times calls it being a data janitor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God, it's a big part of the job, sadly. It is a huge part of the job for a data scientist. So uh, we spent a long time doing that, and then we had to go understand, well, you've got all this communications, but there's no understanding of was it successful or not, mm -hmm. right? Did it right. accomplish its purpose? Did the audience right. react to it in the appropriate way? What's on the left-hand side, as the economist would Exactly. Say. So evaluation research, go mm -hmm. out and ask a bunch of people, what'd they think? You know, do you trust this person if they okay. did this? Do you believe them? Do you want to engage with them more? And then you can go and measure the factors of the communication. Okay. What types of words did they use? Mm -hmm. Were they making eye contact? Mm -hmm. What were they doing with their hands? And then you can understand the factors that correlate with success. Noah, let's take that for just a minute, because that seems like an important part of the question. This is getting into the details some, but that's yep. what the audience, some of the audience will be looking for. How did you decide what factors to look for? You just mentioned you know, eye, eye contact, gestures. How did you know even what to consider? Yeah, so again, Again, academic research. Um, folks in academics have been doing this for years. One of the best guys at it is Albert Morabium at, at UCLA. Uh, he created this model, the three Vs, verbal, voice, and visual. Uh, you know, breaks down someone's communication into some mm -hmm. of the important elements, and he did a bunch of research as to how those are correlated with whether or not I like you. Okay. Uh, further than that, you go talk to communications folks and researchers, and they understand, you know, eye contact, facial movement, gestures. There's factors behind okay. all this stuff. So, Noah, as you said, it's historically been an art. Even if someone's standing up and saying, this is what you should do, they probably haven't had the evidence behind it that yep. you do. What, what is the disparity between what you're bringing to this conversation versus what's submitting the conversation before? When these academics who've written academic papers on these are the things that matter, you come to them with this unbelievable database and say, you know, I've run some tests over these ideas. Are they like, oh, my God? This is different than anything we've seen before? Is this just bigger version of what they've done? You know, I'd, I'd probably say it's just a different use case. Um, the academics are doing it from a, a great research standard, uh, really thinking about how to apply it for you know, research validation. What we're doing is trying to, trying to bring it in a more applied way. Okay. So look at how leaders can communicate, organizational leaders, really thinking carefully about what their purposes and audience types are. Mm -hmm. And then we can also go a little bit further in that we can build predictive models and just run them over and over uh, you know, given that we're a business and not held to kind of the research standards. Okay. You don't have to spend uh, 18 months in review and re revise and resubmit. We're, we're lucky and uh, we get to enjoy that. You've made that choice and it's, and it's an utterly reasonable one. So in the presentation you made this morning, yeah. you one question you've looked at is what do visionary communicators or visionary leaders yeah. do? How do visionary leaders communicate? and you presented what were some surprising findings. So can you give us a recap of what you said? Sure. So what we did was we looked at hundreds of transcripts of visionary leaders. It was just a linguistic analysis. We didn't look at their faces or their voices or things like that. And what we identified was what separates these people that we consider to be visionaries, you know, everyone from Amelia Earnhardt to FDR to Musk to TED Talks on innovation. Uh, what separates them from the average communicator? What distinguishes them from a factor model perspective? So not just saying, well, visionaries are important or they're CEOs. And so what we figured out was uh, we were surprised by it. I mean, there were kind of three main findings that we had there. One, we thought visionaries would talk a lot about the future. In fact, they talk about the present. Uh, two, we thought that visionaries would really be complex thinkers. Uh, but in, in fact, what they're really concerned with is making things simple, breaking it down into steps. Uh, and then three, we thought that visionaries would be really concerned with their own vision. But in fact, they're more concerned with getting their vision into the minds of their audience. What does that mean? That means using second-person pronouns, placing things for you and your, and then also using a lot of perceptual language, talking about how things look, touch, and feel. Mm -hmm. uh, it really brings the audience into the experience with you. So if you think about Elon Musk talking about Tesla, he always talks about what it's, what it's like to 
drive in the car, what it's like to look at the car, how the doors work. You know, it's really less about the future of energy and transport is this, you know, kind of theoretical vehicle. He really brings it, Mm -hmm. makes it tangible. So some of those factors would um, make, say, Chip Heath and Dan Heath very happy because going back to their made to stick, which again is just trying to make more scientific something that's been talked about for, you know, a few millennia. They talk about being concrete. Yep. They talk about being simple. One thing that they don't talk about that really jumps out to me about that research is the is the present tense versus the future. Yeah. Especially when you're talking about visionary leaders, you really would have expected that to go the other way. What what's your what's your attribution there? Why do you think it is that they're so much more effective? You know, we we saw it highly correlated with credibility. Uh, I think that people think that if you're talking so much about the future, then it's going to be less credible. People aren't going to believe you as much. So you really want to bring it applied into today. Um, yeah. So we're talking to Noah Zand, and Noah is CEO and co-founder of Quantified Communications. He, of course, made a presentation this morning at the Wharton People Analytics Conference on his research. Noah, you've, you're not just doing this research for academic reasons. You're doing it as a, as a practitioner, as yes. a business. Yep. So how, do, what, how does that transition into... Um, application for your clients. Yeah. So what we often get asked to do is is help people improve their communications, use the technology, use the analytics, allow them to make data-driven decisions on how to better impact their audiences. Uh, Oprah Winfrey, the number one question she gets when the lights go off after her interviews with all of these amazing world leaders and celebrities, how did I do? That's what these people want to know. And so we can answer that for them, not in a way that their team is going to say, which is, hey, boss, you did great. Uh, We can actually give them a lot of truth in the Mm -hmm. data, Mm -hmm. Uh, talk about how they're perceived, talk about how they can get better and give them a very prescriptive plan to better impact their audiences and achieve their purposes. When When you work with people in that role, what data do you collect? Yeah, so we'll look at text, audio, or video, which we can take in. Uh, We'll break those down into the elements. So text is what you say, the words. Uh, Audio, we'll look at the words as well as your voice. And then videos, which is our favorite, you've got the face and the gestures. So you break down all of those into different behavioral patterns. You measure all of them. You benchmark them against what they would consider to be a measure of success. That could be themselves. That could be someone who's best in class. That could be a competitor they aspire to beat. Uh, and then you can under- give them a roadmap for how to achieve that. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, you let them pick the, the left-hand side, the objective, whatever the criteria are. We'll give them, them some guidance on that, but a lot of times they know. You know? I mean, the, the White House came to us and they said, uh, we, want to, we want to replicate one of Obama's best speeches. We know which one was our favorite. Oh, my. And we want to understand the different factors behind that. Can you speak about what you found? No. <laughs> <laughs> But, but, that, I, I, that, but the speech was a eulogy in Arizona, okay. um, which they consider to be one of the best ones that he's given during his tenure. Let's put it this way. Did you find anything interesting yourself whenever you looked at that kind of speech from that, you know, that level? That's really championship level rhetoric. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course. <laughs> you, you uncover stuff. But, you know, what's, what's worth saying here is there's also the other side of the equation, which is authenticity. Right? I am not President Obama. I do not speak like President Obama. Mm-hmm. If I did, it would seem very strange to an audience. So everybody has their authentic tone. We've worked yep. really hard to measure authenticity. It's one of the really? hardest problems. You can measure that. That seems well, so beyond measurement. We're on V3 of it. <laughs> well, it's a great thing to pursue because it does seem to be so important. And we are sitting here at this conference trying to figure out better ways to measure, better way to, ways to do analytics. Being able to do something like that would be a real advance. It, it would. And there's obviously authenticity to the way you deliver the message. And then there's more, there's words that are considered to be authentic. But really what we're careful on is we don't want to push people to be something that they're not. Right. The data can lead you down a path of right. replication 
We don't want to do that because so much of what you communicate is your personality. Makes a ton of sense. Noah, we're, we're down to just a couple of minutes, and I know there's a very important issue I want to hear from you. Yeah. Something we have in common is Austin, Texas. All right. How did you decide to headquarter your company in Austin, Texas? So I'm one of the few people that is from Austin, Texas. Really? I was born there. Born and raised. Yeah. Uh, went to high school there, left for college, left for, to work on Wall Street, California, graduate school in Chicago. Okay. Throughout that whole time, I remembered that little city. Uh, <laughs> that's fantastic. It's, it's, uh, it's always kind of felt like home to me, and I was really happy to go back there. The city was obviously drastically different when I went back. It, every, every six or seven years, it feels drastically different. It remakes itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's fun to live in a boom town. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a great place to start a business. I would think so. And it's also a tech-savvy, tech-happy place. Tech-savvy, but you've got education and you've got government. So mm-hmm. you've got all these great people and well-rounded people. It's mm-hmm. just a really balanced, wonderful place. Wonderful. Well, what we, about you? Uh, well, I, I went to school there. I did the opposite. I was raised in West Texas, went to college in Austin, and then um, have been away for almost 25 years. But we, we, uh, we're, we have an eye on Austin, Texas. And we all have right. friends and family still in Austin, Texas. We spend some time down there. Glad to know you're down there. Glad to know firms like yours are deciding to base themselves out. Yeah. We wish you the best with the work, Noah. And thank you very much for taking the time out of your conference. And thanks for being at the conference because that was a great presentation. Yeah, it's really. a great experience. Uh, really amazing stuff going on here and fun to see how people are applying it to all these different, you know, what I would call professional applications. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.